So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to ask you to stand, since that's our theme. Stand. And we're going to read the last two verses of chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28. Found it? The Bible says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The listeners, and there were a lot of people in the crowd at this time, and we'll see that in a moment, but they recognized there was a distinct difference between the, the way Jesus taught and the substance of his message than the scribes. Sunday morning we talked about the scribes. These men were experts in the law. They were known for their ability to, uh, you know, to know the law, rehearse the law, study the law, and, uh, and yet their preaching wasn't anything like the preaching of Jesus. And so I just want to use this phrase there in verse 28 as our title tonight, astonished at his doctrine, and we'll get right into the scripture. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. We pray that you'd bless as we study it. Help us to be attentive. Lord, we come from busy days, active schedules today, a lot of things on our mind and our lives, things not only for uh, the day bef behind us, but also before us, our young people traveling tonight, and all these things that a crowd for the attention of our mind. We pray that you'd help us tonight, though, to be focused for a little while just on your word. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, just for a little bit of context, um, these words, these last two verses you see in Matthew 7, came at the end of the most, probably the most famous sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. That sermon began in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. If you just want to look there briefly where it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and he was set, when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and he begins with what we sometimes refer to as the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this is the sermon on the mount. This is a teaching that Jesus Gave and he concludes it back in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28 and 29. And what was the response of the people who heard this teaching, at least some of them, not all of them? But verse 28 says that they, when Jesus ended these sayings, the people were astonished. They were astonished at his doctrine. The word astonished, astonished means they were amazed. They, it wasn't like they were impressed by his oratory skills, but they were just taken with the power of what he had to say. And of course, what he had to, everything he had to say was scripture, right? I mean, we have it right here in our Bible. And we spent a lot of time explaining what he said, but he, this whole sermon um, lasted less than 15 minutes, like most sermons around here. Um, but we have to explain things more. Jesus just cut to the chase and he, he just gave us, the, gave us the truth. But what were they amazed at? It says in verse 28, they were astonished at his doctrine. 
Now, doctrine is a real important word uh, because um, we want to we want to understand it. We want to define it as it is, not as we like think it might be. A lot of people, when you think of doctrine, they think of some some group of particular doctrines that 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 are that are basically the skeletal doctrines of the Christian faith, and those are the doctrines. But that's not really what doctrine means. The word doctrine in the New Testament can, first of all, it can actually refer to the act of teaching. So what I'm doing right now is doctrine. I'm teaching. But it's also the content that is being taught. Doctrine is content. And a lot of times when people say, well, that's, you know, that's just uh, something in the Bible that's not really doctrine. If the Bible teaches, it is doctrine. Matter of fact, this whole book is full of doctrine. And so they were astonished at his doctrine, at his teaching, I believe because, he, because what it says in the last part of the text there in verse 29, he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. He wasn't just giving a lecture. He had authority in what he was saying. He taught, and it, and it wasn't just that he, I don't think it was just that he was loud and forceful and overbearing. I just think they recognized that he spoke with the authority of God. He had God's authority and he was speaking the word of God. And so what he had to say was doctrine. And I want to just, I want to look at just briefly kind of a, a summary of this chapter, chapter 7. And then we're going to just take, give a few points about the importance and the benefits of sound doctrine. In Matthew chapter 7, Let's just begin in verse 13. We're not going to read every verse. But notice some of the things that Jesus said. Verse 13 and 14, he says, Enter into the straight gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that go in there at. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life eternal. So he begins in this passage, just what we're looking at here. Um... He talks about a straight and narrow gate and way. Now, that's, that, you could say that that's um, the doctrine of salvation, right? I mean, he, Jesus didn't give a multitude of ways. He said there's only one way. And that's, that was his teaching. That was his teaching about salvation. And then he goes right into verse 15 and following for the next four or five verses. A warning about false prophets, people who teach things that are not true. He says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. He said, you'll know them by their fruit. And verse 17, every good tree brings forth good fruit. A corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. Good tree cannot bring forth uh, evil fruit. Verse 19, every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the sea. By their fruits you'll know them. Now that's a pretty strong statement. Jesus makes, gives two verses, makes a very direct, strong a statement about salvation. And then he makes a very direct statement about a warning about false teachers. About beware. And he says the way you can know them is be a fruit inspector. Uh, you'll know them by their fruit. You don't know them by what they say, or you don't even know them by what they look like, because they look like sheep. They come in sheep's clothing, but beware, they're wolves. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. 
Now, to me, that's pretty strong stuff Jesus is saying. I think you would agree with that, both about salvation, also about this warning about false prophets. In verse 21, he gives another little um, tidbit of doctrine. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Just because a person says, Lord, doesn't mean they're saved. Here's how you make a distinction between those who say they're saved and those who are saved. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is heaven, that's, that's the ones that are saved. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, he's talking about in the future. We've prophesied, have we prophesied in your name? We've cast out devils, we served you, we did good stuff, many wonderful works. He said, I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you, you work iniquity. So he talks about these false professors. People who say that they're followers, but they're not really followers. And then in verse 24, he gives another application of this or a way of looking at this. And he says this in verse 24, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine, if you hear what I'm saying and you do them, he didn't say you hear what I say and you learn them. He didn't say you hear what I say and you can repeat them. He said if you hear what I say and you do them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, but the house stood strong, because it was on a rock. And everyone in verse 26 that hears these things of mine, but does not do them. The people who hear what I'm saying, but do not do them. That, that, that describes a whole lot of people. They hear what he's saying, but they don't do it. He said, I'll tell you what that person is like. He, he's like a man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and floods came and winds blew and the beat on the house and the house fell and great was the fall of it. Now there's a strong teaching about having the right kind of foundation and the foundation is obedience to his work. Now I'm just saying, I'm just giving you this example. Jesus taught some pretty meaty stuff in those few verses. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, this is serious stuff. This is not, this is not fluff. Some people have the idea that Jesus is so easy about everything and he doesn't really care, do as you please, God loves you anyway, it doesn't really matter. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's just not. So this, is, this leads up to verses 28 and 29 when these guys says, man, this guy teaches like nobody I ever heard teach before. And all of this speaks to the importance of doctrine. And that's just sort of an introduction. Now, this lesson won't be really long, but, but it's important. The doctrine of salvation is important. Recognizing false teachers. All of us could say tonight, probably, all of us could say we know somebody personally that was exposed to truth, believed the truth, seemed to embrace the truth, and then then have been swept away by false teachers. All of this pertains to doctrine. And he says there, you know, about the importance of obedience. You know, if, if, someone, if someone tries to, would try to convince you that it's, a, you can be a Christian, you don't have to obey what God says, God didn't really require, I'm telling you, they're telling you something that's not true. Jesus said, 
Jesus said, the ones who say, Lord, Lord, and he didn't say you have to obey to be saved, but he says if you're really saved, you're going to want to obey him. And then he talks about the ruin, the disastrous ruin of those who do not take truth seriously. Now, I'm not going to spend any more time on those passages, but I would urge you, if you didn't have anything else to study right now, and you're thinking, I'd just like to study something that I think would really uh, be impactful in my life. Why don't you take verses 13 through 20 and just spend some time over the next few weeks or two and just go over those things. Think about it. Personalize them. Think about what they say. You know, a lot of people seem to have an interest, and I do too, I guess, to a degree, and I want to know about this because this is what's affecting my life today, and I'm not interested in everything else. I just want, to, I just want something to help me get through what I'm going through today. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible wants us to be familiar with the truths of the Word of God. So, I want to just give you tonight, and this is sort of, uh, will lead into some lessons we'll be having on Sunday nights. Because we're going to get into some doctrines. Some doctrines about God, some doctrines about the the, uh, about the Trinity, things we need to know about that, doctrines about who Christ is, doctrine about the Word of God, how, where do we get our Bible, how do we know that we're using the best Bible that's available to English-speaking people, doctrine, doctrine about man and sin and salvation. I think we need to know those things. So we're going to some, spend some time this year on those subjects. So why is it so important? What are, why is it so important that we know doctrine? And the first one is this. And I'm not going to spend much time on any of these, but the first one is this. Studying doctrine fulfills a clear command of God to study and to learn. We've been commanded to study the Bible. Right? And we can't dis none of us can dismiss ourselves and say, well, that's just not really important to me. I'm not really the academic type. No, if, you, if, if you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus, you're commanded to study the Bible. We need to know what the Bible says. I read an interesting verse today. I want to turn to it in some Proverbs chapter 9 um, that fits here. Proverbs chapter 9 and... Verse 9. Proverbs 9. Hope you have your Bible with you. Hope you're looking at your Bible. Don't take my word for it. See what the Bible says. Proverbs 9, 9. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man... And he will increase in learning. Now, the reason I thought about that verse pertaining to our, our message tonight is this. You know, you take a man that's wise. A man who is prudent, he uses wisdom, he has discernment. And you would think, well, man, why teach him? Because he needs to know more. Teach a wise man and he'll get wiser. He'll be even wiser. Teach a just man. A just man is a man that's is judicial, he's fair, he's honest, he has integrity, he's just. Why teach a just man? Because he needs to increase in learning. Now, the, the point is, no matter where you are and how much you know, there's always more to learn. It's not, you, you never get to the place you say, well, I just, you know, I've kind of, I know a bunch of stuff. You don't know enough, right? 
If you're a wise man, you'll want to know more. If you're a just man, you'll, you'll benefit from teaching and learning. We need, to, we need to know what we believe. I heard a preacher once say, I may not know everything, but what I know, I know real good. It's <laughs> a pretty good statement. Isn't it? I don't know everything, but what I know, I know real good. We need to know real good what the Bible says. The Bible commands a study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. So getting into the doctrine and studying doctrine is obeying the commandment of God. Doing what God wants us to do. Second of all, sound doctrine, the study of sound doctrine stimulates spiritual growth and maturity. Peter said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The Bible helps us grow. It's nutrition for our soul. You don't grow just by hearing somebody talk about the Bible. You grow by getting into the Bible and receiving the Bible. And there's no shortage. There's no shortage today because of the internet of blog posts and commentaries and opinion pieces, and they can be helpful. But God never promised to help you grow by listening to someone else talk about the Bible or some principle. He said we'd grow by getting into the Word of God ourselves. That's why I encourage people to bring your Bible. Look at your Bible. This is the Word of God. Don't treat it lightly. And I know this may seem old-fashioned, and, and I'm not against people reading the I read the Bible on my tablet most mornings, so I'm not saying any person can't read their Bible on an electronic device, but there's nothing takes the place of the Bible. I mean, I've, re I've read it in tablets, I've read it on my phone, I've read it in the old-fashioned way, and I'm just telling you, there's just something special about just looking at the words of God in the Bible and studying the Bible. So, so it stimulates growth and maturity. The neglect of God's word brings spiritual malnutrition. Um, if you, in the passage we read, I'm back in Matthew chapter 7, in the passage that we read there in Matthew 27 and verse 24 and following, it talks about how this house stood in the midst of a storm. You're talking about, you're talking about standing. You know, the word of our God shall stand forever. I want, I, you know, I want our house, my house. I'm not talking about the house where I live, 643 Haven Hill Lane. I'm talking about my life, our house, our family. I want it to stand. When the storms come, I want it to stand. And it won't just stand because we go to the right church. It won't just stand, you know, because we've made a profession of faith. It'll stand, because, according to Jesus, it'll stand because we're living the word of God. We're not just hearing it, we're obeying it. We're living what the Bible says. We've seen too many houses crumble because of, and it wasn't because of personality problems, it was mainly because of the word of God. God promised to bless obedience to his word. So studying Bible doctrine is fulfilling a command of God. It stimulates spiritual growth. Number three, it guides us in biblical obedience and godliness. You know, in that... Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. 
Look in verse 17, if you would please. Matthew 5, 17, we're in the same neighborhood. It says this, Jesus is saying this. Think not that I'm come to destroy the law. Now, my Bible doesn't have the words of Jesus in red, but if yours does, those words should be in red. Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Verily, I, for verily, I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus is emphasizing here the importance of obedience, as he did numerous places in the Sermon on the Mount. He's emphasizing obedience, and it's a warning about doing anything that would cause anyone else not to obey God's commandments. That's very serious. Now, how do we know what God wants for us? How do we know what God wants for us? And it's not just because of what the pastor says. It's not even just because of what mom or dad say. Though we are to obey our parents, the way we know what God wants for us is by reading the Bible. Getting into the book. Obedience matters. We know what God expects from the Bible. It's amazing to me when people talk like things don't apply to them when it's in the Bible. <laughs> It's in the Bible. Read the Bible. What does the Bible say? What is it that separates God's people? What is it, what is it that separates God's people from the people of the world? One thing is this. Jesus prayed this in John chapter 17. Sanctify them through thy what? Truth. Thy word is truth. You know, what, you know what makes us a separated people? It's our obedience to the word of God. What does the Bible say? So we need to get into the book. We need to get into the Bible. You know, so, you know um, some of you young people cannot really probably fully comprehend this. I'm not sure I do. But the younger you are, the easier it is for you to grasp things, learn things. Now, you may not realize that. You may think, man, I've been studying history, and it's just not catching on. I'm just telling you, the older you get, the harder it is to learn stuff. Take advantage of that. Get into the Bible. Study the Word of God. It, it guides us in godliness. James said, my wife's been teaching through the book of James to our ladies. James says, be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. It's not just about knowing what the Bible says. It's about doing what the Bible says. Doing what the Bible says. As we study doctrine, it guides us in biblical obedience. Number four, studying Bible doctrine prepares us for God's service. It prepares us. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's in 2 Timothy 3.16. It's profitable for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is what Paul said to Timothy, that the man of God may be perfect. The word perfect there means complete. 
And then, he, and then he used a word that we never use in our English language now, throughly. Not thoroughly, but throughly. Throughly furnished unto all good works. You know what Paul said to Timothy? Studying this Bible will give you everything you need to be a prepared person with the word of God. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? This is a great book we have right here before us. When Paul was writing uh, to the church at Ephesus, he said concerning the teaching, pre, the teaching ministries of the prophets, he called them, I'll just list them, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and he says these teaching ministries, the, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, this is the purpose for the perfecting of the saints. Perfecting is maturing, completing. He gave us, he didn't give us preachers to entertain us. He didn't give preachers to just uh, tell us how good. He gave us preachers to, take, to teach the Bible to us because the Bible will perfect us. It will mature us. It will help us to grow. For the perfecting of the saints till we all come in the unity of the faith unto a perfect man unto the measure of the fullness of Christ. God's word equips us. Amen? God's word does. You just study the Bible. You know, I know this seems like an exaggeration to some people, embellishment, but I, I believe it. I may be wrong in believing it, but I believe it. I believe if you took a sincere person and gave them a King James Bible and put them on an island somewhere by themselves, they'd come out of it being a strong Baptist. You know why? Because Baptists believe what the Bible says. A lot of these religions believe in all kinds of things that can't be, can't be verified or uh, substantiated by the word of God study the Bible study what the Bible says it prepares us young person it prepares us Peter says that we ought to be able to give an answer to every man that asks us a reason for the hope that's within us study the Bible it prepares us for God's service number five it protects us from false teachers and doctrine Matthew 7, again, we read that a moment ago in verse 15 and following. He says, beware of these, these false prophets. He called them false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. And he says, you'll know them by their fruit. You don't know them in five minutes. You don't know them necessarily in, in a few days, but eventually the fruit will be produced. You'll say, well, that's not even, that's not even what we're supposed to be looking like. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and he said to them, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Now, what does that mean, prove all things? What is, what is the standard by which we prove all things? What is the standard? It's the word of God. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. The Bible is the standard. You ever hear someone that teaches some religion, that teaches a kind of bizarre doctrine? You wonder where they get that. You know, you know the Romans believe, in, uh, the Mormons believe in baptizing for the dead. Like if a person died, you could go to a, a Mormon temple and you could be baptized. Someone could be baptized for a dead person who wasn't baptized. Baptism for the dead. You know where they get that? They get it from the Bible. I'll give you, let's look at it together. We'll come right back to Matthew and we'll wrap up there. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. 
Who knows offhand what doctrine, what teaching 1 Corinthians 15 is almost completely devoted to? What is it? The resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, he's talking about the resurrection. In verse 29, if you look there, he says, Else what shall they do who are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Did you see that? Baptized for the dead? It's a new doctrine. We're going to start doing that for our lost loved ones. We're going to be baptized for the dead. Now that's where they get that. But you know what they're not doing? They're not rightly dividing the word of truth. One of the ways you can know false doctrine is it's, it's, it doesn't agree with other doctrine. Nowhere else in the Bible does it say you could be baptized for a dead person. What is he saying there? He's talking about the doctrine of baptism. And he said in the, in the, in the verses previous to that, you know, he says that Christ is, in verse 20, Christ is risen from the dead. And, uh, every, you know, Christ the first fruits afterwards, verse 23, those that are Christ. He's talking about baptism are you talking about resurrection? And, and, but what does baptism picture? We've got a couple of people that are going to be baptized soon. What does baptism picture? It pictures the death, the burial, and the resurrection, right? And what he's saying is, he, and it's, it's, if, if baptism pictures the resurrection, then why, if there's no resurrection, why do we have baptism? Because baptism pictures the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He says, so... Else what shall they do that are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why would you have a baptist, a picture in baptism of the death, burial, and resurrection if there's no resurrection? Why are they then baptized for the dead? That's not saying that they're baptized for dead people. It says that in their baptism, there's the death, burial, and the resurrection. The point is this. Studying the Bible gives you ammunition against false doctrine. It protects us from false teachers. An experience that made a great impression on me happened when I was uh, still living in Texas. That was, I would have been 21 or 22. I'd gotten saved. The Lord was working in my life. Eventually called me into the ministry. And um, I'd gone to hear a man preach. I'm not going to give you his name, but he was he's still preaching. But... Uh, he was, he was a renowned Southern Baptist. Of course, I was going to a Southern Baptist church, but he was an outstanding preacher. I went to hear him preach. He was outstanding. He had a radio pro, a television program in the Dallas area. He was kicked off. The, the television program dismissed him, removed him from their programming because he came out so strong against homosexuality. He was a strong, separated, strong preacher. So I went to hear him preach one time. But when I was listening to him preach, I didn't know much. But he, he got off on something that was totally wrong doctrinally. I was sitting up in a large crowd of people. I, I was nobody. I don't, didn't know him. He didn't know me. But I don't know who he was. But I knew he was wrong about that. You know how I knew he was wrong about that? It's because of what the Bible teaches. As a new Christian, I recognize that. And today he's still preaching on a charismatic radio station. He's full-blown charismatic and has gone really far off doctrinally. But he was going far off back then. You know how you recognize false doctrine? By knowing what the Bible says. 
What does the Bible say? We need to take our Bible. Young person, you need to take your Bible seriously. What does the Word of God say? It protects us from false teachers and false doctrine. And the last thing I want to mention, I've mentioned five so far. The last thing I want to mention, talking about the importance of doctrine, the benefits of doctrine. It fulfills the clear command to study the Bible. It stimulates spiritual growth. It guides us in the way of obedience. It prepares us for God's service. It protects us from false teachers. And finally, it equips us for spiritual battles. Truth is the most important part of our equipment in spiritual warfare. It's not our emotions, it's truth. And that list that Paul gave in Ephesians 6 about spiritual warfare, the first one was this, having your loins girt about with truth. Having on that, that you know, the loins was like, or the tr uh, girt, the girt, girdle was like a belt. It was like a sash. It was something that they would tie around them and, and hold their garments together and put their sword into that. It was critical. Having your loins girt about with truth. If, young person, if you don't know the truth, you're not equipped for spiritual warfare. And you don't have to be equipped for spiritual warfare to be involved in spiritual warfare because the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But you better be equipped. That's why he said, put on the whole armor of God. In that same list of things, he said this. And taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. When the devil comes with a lie, you have to have the truth. And he doesn't come with this big banner that says, I'm here and I'm lying. No, he comes with this whispering these thoughts in your minds and these ideas in your head. And how do you know what to believe? Because you know the truth. There are going to be spiritual attacks. There's an all-out assault against the Word of God and against the people of God. I'm going to read you a verse. And this is that... To me, very significant passage in 1 John, where John the Beloved says, I write unto you, little children, I write unto you, young men, I write unto you, fathers. You're familiar with that, most of you. This is what I want to read, though, right here. He said, I've written unto you, young men, because you're strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. The word of God abides in you. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word, thy word have I hid in my heart. The word of God abides in you. Not just you carry the Bible, but the word of God is in you. And you know what he says? Because the word of God is in you and you've overcome the wicked one. You can't overcome the wicked one on your own. There's only one who can overcome the wicked one, and that's the one who created him. Amen? And he, God uses truth. So I hope that for those of us, many in this room, they, you read your Bible 
daily, regularly, you're studying your Bible, you want to know sound doctrine, let's just keep doing it. You know, Paul didn't just admonish people to learn sound doctrine. He said, continue in these things. Continue in them. But over the next however many weeks, by the way, they're doing a similar thing in the teen department. They're studying sound doctrine in the teen, in the teen department. And we're studying sound doctrine as we're going through the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings. It's all doctrine. But we're really going to focus in on some doctrines that we really need to know and hold dear to us. And uh, I hope you'll realize this is important. I don't know how many times we ought to have to hear something before we learn it. You know, I don't know. But uh, the more serious we take learning, the more we take it into our heart and we take it home with us. And uh, when they heard Jesus, they were astonished at his doctrine. Some of those who heard him at one time says, no man ever yet spake like this man. Wouldn't you love to have heard him speak? It's the word of God. Amen. Let's stand together.